quack, 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 quack. The Mighty Ducks, the podcast where we discuss the 1996 Disney hockey sequel, D3 The Mighty Ducks, five minutes at a time. I'm your host, Blake, and believe it or not, we're almost done with this season. Go figure. But before we wrap things up next week, we have two guests on the line here, two first-timers on this show. And in fact, this, these actually are their first appearances in the MMX world, so despite being massive movie fans. So go figure. I have Tom Stop and Kelly Wells from PWT Talks NXT and the PW Torch VIP show eight, NXT eight years back. Tom, Kelly, welcome to the show. Oof. How you doing? Thank you. Sorry I'm eating right now, but <laughs> um, okay. but I just got home. It's all right. You're allowed. I'm, I'm okay with that. As a, as a self-professed uh, movie snob, I've been very, very excited to talk about D3. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you were thinking, getting two movie snobs. On the D3, the Mighty Ducks podcast, but um, <laughs> it'll be interesting. No, you know what? You know what's going to be fun? I'm going to warn you now. If you're just as good as I think you're going to be on the show, you might get messages from other MMX hosts. Just oh, my goodness. That. It <laughs> might happen. <laughs> or they'll reach out to me and ask for your information. That has happened before. That has happened to people. <laughs> so just be warned about that now. <laughs> so, um, and just so you know, this is actually a thing, as I was mentioning right before we came on. The movie's the community has been a thing for a long time. And I don't even know if you guys even know that, but um, I, I, I Star Wars Minute was the first show to do this, and now they're at, they're all the way through Last Jedi. They're all the way there. Oh, okay. Well, they've been doing this for so long now, and there's like over a hundred, like over like almost 130 shows doing this now. So we've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Matter of fact, this is officially now. I did Clerks, Clerks Two, Ultimate Mighty Ducks films, and Rent. So this is officially now going to be finishing off my sixth movie. So all right. So, all right, let's get into for this. punishment, this one. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I, I have a long list of movies I'm doing in the future. <laughs> but anyway, let's actually talk about the history with this movie. We'll start there. Um, first of all, are you guys even hockey guys at all? Either one of you guys? A little. I would describe myself as a fair-weather hockey fan. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm from Minnesota. I recognized a lot of places in this movie, by the way. A lot of them. Um, so, I, I was a... I became a North Stars fan. I wasn't a hockey guy when I was little. I was baseball. And now I'm huge into baseball and basketball. And uh, the other stuff is okay. Uh, but I became a North Stars fan in what ended up being their final season. And oh. when they, and so I felt like I had just been kicked in the nuts. And so it was a long time. So we, we got the Minnesota Wild a handful of years later. Um, and for a lot of people, it wasn't the same. Uh, and the wild are just so constantly mediocre. Like you can't even hate them because they're never bad. They're just always kind of okay. Um, so I drop in sometimes when it seems like maybe they'll be a little better than average, but, uh, but that doesn't really ever happen. You know what and are? I played NHL 94 on Sega Genesis. Fair enough. You know, what's funny. I, I played all the NHL games from like, with my best friend in, in Jersey for like six straight years on the computer. So <laughs> we bought it every year and played every year. And then I had a collection sitting in my closet when I moved here. So go figure. <laughs> and I don't know what happened in that pod. I think I left it behind because I didn't need to hear because I wasn't going to bring it with me. So, but no, funny part, I actually, the funny part, the last time the Wild were actually really, really good team, I think they actually lost to the, the Ducks in the playoffs in 2003. 
It was. We were. I, I remember that one very well because we were not expected to get there, nor were the Ducks. Um, yeah, we were like the seven and eight seed. I want to say. Um, it never happened in the conference final. And we <laughs> we came back from two three to one game deficits and won them both. I remember Todd Bertuzzi being a little bitch as uh, we were playing against um, against their team. Yep. and um vancouver at the time yep and and we overtook them and that felt so good and then we ran into i don't remember who was goalie for the ducks at the Dr. time but Dr. he was Figuere. trust me oh, i know who it is i remember mm. and he, he was just a buzzsaw and he just and we couldn't score on him i i'm still pissed at jaguar i'm a double fan and they won the 2003 Stanley Cup final against the ducks but Jaguar won the MVP for the playoffs. And I'm still pissed about that to this day. <laughs> I'm still pissed about it because Marty should have won the playoff MVP. I understand it. I mean, yeah. ugh. It so you guys probably know who the hockey player cameo was in yes, the minutes notes that, that we're talking about. Paul Correa. Yeah. I have my yeah. notes mm-hmm. talk about him. Okay, because I, I, I rolled I, – I, we're probably getting ahead of what you're planning on talking about, or I'm probably getting ahead of it. But, you know, the first movie, I'm like, okay, there's these two guys. They I don't know who they are, but fine. They look like hockey players, and they're acting like – they're, they're probably hockey players. And then, of course, second movie's Gretzky. Yeah. So then for this one, after the Mighty Ducks are established as the Disney-owned team, of course, they pull someone from the Ducks. And I'm, st- I'm just like, I don't know who that is. And you know what? Let's get into the minutes, and I'll explain who we're talking about. And we're beginning, we begin our minutes with, I still don't understand what he's even doing here. I still don't understand why he did this movie to begin with, except for the fact that we needed a Disney cameo, because the Mighty Ducks franchise is starting their second season when this movie came out. <laughs> like I, I was joking this whole season that the this movie came out on opening weekend of the second season of the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. So, and I still want to know if Disney did some kind of an opening tying in with the Ducks. I really want to know it. I cannot find anything about that, but I can't believe they didn't do that. It worked out. I mean, he was a good young player at the time, and now he's a Hall of Famer. So they guessed right. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's Paul Korea. That is who is they're talking to here. He he is the. He was the first actual draft, like one of the first draft picks by the Ducks in the NHL draft. He was the fourth pick in the 93 draft. He scored 50 goals in the season before this movie. And this is only 50 goal season was right before this. So that's a big deal. He um, finished his career with 402 goals, passing 400, a very big deal. So as a matter of fact, I just had a devil do that this year. One of the devils did that this year. That's a very big deal. And um, with almost 600 assists, he also played for Colorado, Nashville, and St. Louis. At one point, and matter of fact, I forgot to play for the Predators until he went to the Hall of Fame. I'm like, oh yeah, he was the Predator. Completely forgot that happened. Um, he won the two-time Lady Bing Memorial Trophy, a trophy that we love making fun of over on the Lincoln Style Show because it goes to the most sportsman Lincoln gentlemanly player. <laughs> we love making fun of that trophy. Um, he also played for Team Canada. He won a World Junior Gold, a World a World Championship Gold, and an Olympic Gold Medal for Team Canada. He was part of the 2002 Olympic Gold Medal winning team the first time that team Canada won a gold in hockey in 50 years. And um, that was the day that Crosby beat team USA in overtime. Right. in one of the best hockey games. If, anyone, if no one's ever seen team USA, team Canada, one of the best hockey games I've ever seen. Like one of the best hockey games I've ever seen played. <laughs> um, like um, Kelly said, he went into the hall of fame in 2017 and his number is retired in Anaheim. Number nine is retired in Anaheim. So it's I Paul Korea. I have a little history of Paul Korea as a Devils fan. In the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals, Scott Stevens checked him at the beginning of Game Six. He got laid out, and then returned later in the game to score two goals. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, "What is going on?" And that was the night of my grandparents' um wedding anniversary party. And my grandfather did not realize the Stanley Cup Finals were going to be on that night. So he, he made sure there was a bar on with a TV so I can go back and forth and watch the game. <laughs> so, so my grandfather did that for me that night. He did not have to do that. He did that for me that night. Right. So that is Paul Correa here. But I don't know what hell he's doing here in the context of this movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> the in-between period guest commentator. As, as an actor, Paul Correa is a very good hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Well played, Kelly. Well played. Um, but it pretty, like, it's, it's only his second year. Like, the fact that they brought him in this movie when he's only been in the league for, like, a year and a half is a big deal. Like, I, I, I actually I remember he was in this movie, but I forgot why he was in this movie. Like, he was being interviewed for no real reason for 
20 seconds in the middle of this minute. I completely forgot. Yeah, just the obligatory hockey player cameo. And of course, now that the ducks are a thing in real life, they're, you know, Disney's going to put a real duck in the movie. And their Um, captain. And their captain. The important part, he was the duck's captain at the time. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, after the second movie had, my understanding is that the final game of the second movie was filmed as the the first event that ever took place at that Mm -hmm. arena. Um, so I was, I was surprised going into this. I, 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 um, I couldn't remember whether I had seen this one before and going, you know, after the first couple scenes, I was like, okay, I definitely, I definitely never watched this as a kid, but I was surprised that they didn't use that again. Um, since they, they have that big stadium, but you know, it didn't fit the story, but I was surprised they didn't craft a story that fit around using that again. Well, most of this movie was filmed in Minnesota, as Kelly actually said. Most of this movie was based in Minnesota. As a matter of fact, every time I look something up, like, oh, this is a real location, or this is a real school, or this is a real ice rink, or this is a real place. The only thing that's fake is actually around the school they're going to. Everything else they go to in every little location is a legit location. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I was doing a lot of research. I learned a lot about Minnesota, the entire state of Minnesota, while I was in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis while I was doing this movie. And I visited Minneapolis, and I didn't know most of this stuff. And I was there for the Mall of America a few years ago. I lived ten minutes from many of the places in this movie, Ugh. like where, where at the beginning, um, where Goldberg is on his uh, rollerblades and he's falling down steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, Minnehaha Park, and it's. <laughs> I mean, I've been there in the last year. Like wow. I've I've walked those stairs in the last year. I, it's. You would know those stairs anywhere if you live in the Twin Cities, and it's a really, really nice park, and it's fun to say mini haha. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, you didn't get almost sandwiched by semis. I did not. Uh, that is, a, I'm the Minnesota guy who was like, but they couldn't end up there from there. That's <laughs> yes. several miles away. <laughs> There's no road at the end of those stairs. That's so funny because I remember when we were talking about those minutes. I literally found an entire like article explaining how the mileage of that scene makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense for no, a black adult. I don't that entire thing. I don't even my notes somewhere that I explained that entire thing on the show because it was so ridiculous. My other the moment. Thing, so I was gonna say the thing. The thing that I liked about that scene is that the first two movies felt so. Um, the kids were so interchangeable. It was like, okay, you got the slap shot guy, you got the knuckle puck guy, you got the guy who can't, the kid who can't stop. You've got the girl one. Um, but they, they even Charlie kind of like fades into the whole group. Like, I don't, I, I'm not sure who's who. Um, and then in this movie, especially during that scene, I was like, oh, I can tell these different people apart now. I can tell they're, and maybe it is getting Estevez out there. It's almost like a blessing in disguise that now these, these kids, these actors who are becoming older can handle the meteor meteor uh, at least a relatively weightier roles um and they they can uh, carry the film on their own without uh, estevez there yeah it's true and what's funny like you talk about like, josh jackson this is his last big thing before Dawson's creek so like he does, he does some Dawson's creek right after this so like i, I, I was joking that he looks like more like casey winter and this movie can as this movie continues because he's, like, he's growing up as he continues yeah so. <laughs> Well, like, I'm a new Dawson's Creek fan, so I can reference that anytime I feel like Yeah, it. and just like Dawson's Creek, I want to punch this character the whole time, too. <laughs> you know what? You're not the only one to say that. You're not the only one. <laughs> like, seriously, 95% of an entire trilogy, he's a little bitch. Like, it's, I just, it's insane how much you just want to hit Joshua Jackson the whole time. He's, he's wrong basically every time he has an opinion. It's, it's amazing to me. I will say, even though it didn't get nearly as much screen time and I, you know, I didn't even notice him really even being in, in this third one, I was much more invested in the arc of the, uh, the rich kid who gets switched over to the Ducks because they changed the region lines. I thought he was a more interesting character. This one, he was actually, he was too good for the JV squad to put on the varsity squad. He was too good for their team. Like, he was better than them. That's how he had them on the other team. Ah, uh, <laughs> that, Okay. Yeah, he got in the in the tryout at the beginning. He actually got he got put on the varsity team, even though he was technically one of the ducks. Yeah, thanks. Oh, and then that. he he gets put back. Get it? Because his name is Banks, and he's got money. Yeah. Um, and then he uh, he he's back on the ducks at the end in a scene. It seems like a scene is missing. Like he's <laughs> just kind of back there. 
uh, because you need him on that team again. But, the only um, reason they, they literally threw one line out there to try to explain it, and the only line they said was, he wasn't much of a warrior anyway, so have him back. That's the right. only line they gave. <laughs> That's it. That's the only line. <laughs> It really is bad. Like, not explained at all. Like, not really right. explained why he's over there again. Especially because Charlie and Vex got into a fight in that weird scrimmage earlier. In the movie. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Um, But we do have a returning character in this. Has not been in this movie. The entire movie. If Amelia Mastavet didn't have a lot of screen time, neither did Aaron Thor, who came back for this movie as Dean Portman. Um, finally appears, the other Bash brother, and for those who did not realize this, Aaron Thor, between this movie and the last movie, he actually voiced some the singing voice in Max Goof, the Goofy movie. Yep. That was the only thing he did between that. So he was just in Disney for like a few years. <laughs> so that's this is what he is now. And I do love him in this sequence. Like, I love the Eternity Department. It is so ridiculously random and dumb, but I enjoy it. <laughs> it's, it's one of the more memorable parts of the movie. Um, and, but it, it doesn't... It, it's kind of stupid for anybody who's missed the first couple because he seems like a deus ex machina in a way. Oh. Um, but I, I just thought it was funny when he rips off his shirt and he's shaking it around. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not a high school freshman. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy is like ripped and like they're even referencing like he's he looks like he looks to the point that they had to write lines about how much the women were enjoying it. And like the actor is clearly a good 20 22 like you don't you don't get that buff at that age he's supposed to be playing a 14 year old that's the best part like, <laughs> right and he's ripped I, I i know people that get ripped and that would be ridiculously ripped like insanely ripped for a high school kid um, yeah, we, we had gotten to the point in the movie where like I, I saw Aaron Lohr's name in the credits and I, I didn't even I didn't see it in the second movie um, as I was as I was catching up um, to, uh, you know, the very important going back and revisiting these really dense narrative films <laughs> uh, to understand where we're at with the characters in part three. Um, I didn't see his name in the second one. So seeing his name in the credits here, I was like, oh, it's a goofy movie guy. Like, oh, who is he? So I look him up and I see what character he's playing. I didn't realize that he was married to Adina Adina Menzel. Yes. Um, and that and that he has a couple scenes in the Rent movie that you and I were talking about recently. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's funny with going back to the first movie. There's so um, they don't really have arcs per se like even gordon bombay he just goes from being a sleazy lawyer to just all of you're like oh man over over the course of the movie he's going to learn to love this team and it's just sort of like he after act one he's he just loves them and all of these movies they just sort of do setup payoff setup payoff and there's no other scene like you mentioned the um like he wasn't much of a warrior anyway at the very beginning of this movie there's like a a student protesting the uh the the mascot of the school right right and that never comes up ever again but you know like okay they're gonna pay that off later and then sure enough the ducks banner comes down they show the ants and you're like all right they're probably going to use them in a prank later and sure enough i actually thought they were going to use them on the ice um but this movie ends up not being i guess it's because they're learning to play two-way hockey but it it doesn't end up being as cartoony as the um as the other movies but this was the same kind of thing where at the very beginning and it feels like a write-off. It feels like just an excuse to not have that character like, oh man, you know, Dean didn't uh, didn't come because he heard Coach Bombay wasn't coming. Right. Um, and then he just shows up. And I, it's like, okay, I guess um, I, I keep forgetting Folson. Folson, oh, I guess Folson oh, needs oh, oh, oh. that reason to feel like he's a Bash brother again. Yes. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's just sort of like set up pay off later and there's no real arc in between i mean Folsom has a scene where he sort of like very suddenly gets sad and walks away um but that's really the most most we get out of it but the um and i'm just like dude um, rosters don't work that way he can't just be on a roster he wasn't on it's like hey my 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 lawyer signed this contract it's like hey you know i I can't do anything about it um I love the and, fact and, that they have a jersey for him. They have a jersey ready for him. He's not even on the team. The game started, but they have a jersey for him ready to go. <laughs> and the um, that's like you know what it reminded me of Sister Act Two when oh, Lauren boy. Hill comes back and she and she and she was not even going to be in the show, and yeah. then she comes back and does a solo. And I'm like, why did they give a solo to somebody who wasn't <laughs> in 
the, that wasn't in the concert. Oh my God. <laughs> but one thing I noticed about um, particularly the first film is that the soundtrack is tonally all over the place. We go from, you know, like a Randy Newman sounding blues thing to, to uh, Marky Mark and uh, Chariots of Fire sounding score. Yeah. Uh, this movie had like no licensed music whatsoever, at, at least that I noticed. So I feel like the closest- song. They had one Bernicke Lady song yeah. and then they have something in the credits and that's it. Oh, they had um, a Bernicke Lady song. They had one song when they were doing that big scrimmage and the weird, that weird scrimmage that Emilio Estevez joined for no reason. That they had like the trash can, they put him in trash cans. They had a song for okay. that. And they have one of the credits. That's it. The second movie had like songs galore. This one yeah. had three. And at least <laughs> it, was, it was slightly more tonally um, congruent, but uh, the, the reason I mentioned it is because I, I guess there was a lot more that I, I didn't quite notice, but uh, the band playing Steppenwolf here uh, for, for Dean to dance to, I was like, that's the closest we've gotten to licensed music, but I guess I guess I just missed some stuff. Well, they did very little. It was very little. Like It's funny about the soundtrack for this movie, and I had actually, I, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug an old episode, I had David Newman on the show back in season one. He's the composer of the first movie. And he's actually composing music for West Side Story that's coming out at the end of the year. Okay. And um, I had him on the show for a season. And um, if anyone listens back to that interview, he does reference West Side Story coming out in 2020. Nobody knew at the time, obviously. Because it was in 2018 when I had that interview. But um, anyway, he talked about the fact that in the, I talked to him about it. And he did not understand when I told him the soundtrack for this movie is combined with the soundtrack for the first movie. Like, there's a whole separate soundtrack for D2. And D1, the first movie in D3 is one soundtrack. But yeah. there's not enough movie music in either movie to make a soundtrack. Like, <laughs> not enough, enough either movie. So I don't get why, but it's just what it is. <laughs> so, but yeah, they, I, I will say though, I love a good marching band. I love a good like high school band. I love that kind of stuff. Like I absolutely love when I can actually recognize a song that the band is playing. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff like I always appreciate. Like I, I know when the um the Badger band in Wisconsin comes to Admiral's games. I make sure I'm at that hockey game because I want to see them play. <laughs> so, and can they can they improvise when a player starts stripping in the penalty box? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never seen that happen before, so I can't tell you. <laughs> what, what's funny about the stripping scene, and I, I have it in my notes, how did he not get an extra like 10 minute misconduct penalty for stripping in the penalty box? <laughs> <laughs> and he never re-enters the game, so I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's two minutes left of the game. It doesn't matter, but <laughs> it is really funny. The other thing with him, I, I love the fact that him and uh, Fulton, Fulton, by the way, you're thinking of Fulton, the okay. two of them completely like team up with Goldberg, but the one player on the order go through the glass. I'm like, yeah, we're going to quickly clean that up and continue the game five seconds later. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> that drove me nuts. I'm like, what are we doing here? Probably the, the most cartoonish, I'm just using the word cartoonish, but the most cartoonish moment of the final game. That, again, that surprised me that this and you, you know we're basically talking about the third period here, but uh, right. it surprised me that yeah, sure they they do the little trick where they pass back to Goldberg, and that's like a nod to what made them ducks. But the the stuff that they do in the first two movies that makes them the ducks and makes them like able to beat teams that conventionally are better than them, that all goes away. Um, which I, I again I think that's part of the point, but then it makes for a less fun final game. Yeah, it, it kind of early in the movie, they pretty much said it doesn't work at this level. But I don't understand yeah. that. Because they beat Iceland in a Miracle Ice game in the last movie. Yet here, they can't beat the varsity squad with tricks. I don't understand how that makes any sense. Like, yeah. That makes sense to me. And, and the, the second movie is such a regurgitation of the first movie. It just sort of feels like a highlight reel with some new, new diversity actors added in. Um, this one, I appreciate that they at least did a fresher plot. And yeah. it feels like the plot is just, okay, we're going to strip away what made the team the team. And I guess it's just my preconceived notion that I went in like, okay, that's, you know, Spider-Man's throwing away his suit. Superman's taken off his cape. And so these guys then are going to have to go through an arc of, of learning to, to take up, take back up that mantle. But they don't. They just learn to be a different team. I guess that, I guess that works. I mean... It's what it is in this movie. But what's cool about this three though is like they're playing hockey. It's like you're not they got there's actually a hockey game going on for a yeah. game. We don't really we also don't have much hockey in this movie. There's only like two games in this entire movie. Like, yeah, it's mostly hockey. it's mostly pranks. Which <laughs> now, like there's a forty-five yes. minute now you don't wanna don't wanna explain why roster rules are different. We'll give that one line, but forty-five minutes of two 
jerk hockey teams being <laughs> jerks to each other. <laughs> yeah, the prank war was hysterical. That There's a point at which it stops being a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, is this a, a Luis Buñuel thing all of a sudden? And the the waiters are in on it, and the the ants are talking and. Wait, you're not the first person to say the ants are talking. That actually, if you turn the subtitles on, it looks like there's actually some actually words coming from the ants in the subtitles. Oh my <laughs> so goodness! Stupid. Oh my goodness! It was pointed out to me by a guest that day. I'm like, what? I never noticed that. I turned the captions on. I'm like, oh, really? That's a thing. There's yeah. only the ants. Well, in a movie that uses the exterminating angel. Yeah, in a movie that uses the the um sound effects of like when somebody's walking running away like the do 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 like it, there's there's no basement like it doesn't <laughs> matter you can have talking ants in that movie my favorite sound effects part was when one of them uh skidded into the into the wall what do you what do you call it the wall yeah. um and uh, the sound effect of tires skidding started before we saw him sliding. We're still on a close-up of Joshua Jackson. And you hear, and so what the heck, is this the new scene starting? And no, then cut to a wider shot of the kid trying to stop and slamming into the wall. Yeah, that's, that's... And you're hoping that it's a car that's going to run over Joshua <laughs> Jackson. Like, that would be ideal. The movie just oh. ends abruptly. There's no ending to the... <laughs> I think the name of the episode is going to be Josh Jackson Hate. I'm going to have to put that down because it's hysterical. They can still use the same final shot, though. <laughs> For no reason. For no reason whatsoever. And you got Emilio, you got a, a second funeral scene. <laughs> and Emilio's just like, didn't think I was going to be back here so quick again. And the credits roll. What the hell did I just plot? Oh, my God. Oh my god, I love that. That is really funny. Um, by the way, I did just catch um uh, Luis is the one that doesn't have the brakes, and I just showed him again crashing into the boards in these minutes. Which I don't what would think by the time this movie happened, he would learn how to stop. Yeah, happened. This has been yeah. two movies. He's been having the same issue. Like, I don't understand how he and got this is this far. is also the same franchise though, that for whatever reason they decided to make Gordon Bombay a sleazy lawyer. Who got a DUI? I don't know why that was the yes! impetus to to get him in here. And this movie is the first time that him being a lawyer was ever important at all. I I, I was like, oh, the, the the backstory finally paid off. Right. No, it's funny. And, and and they and they never would have done it except they needed it needed an excuse <laughs> to get him in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like he's what? got top billing. We got to do right. something. I know that's the funny part about Ilya in this movie that he's in the movie for maybe what ten minutes tops. He filmed all of his scenes in a week. Those yeah. really filmed all the stuff in a week, and he's the first credit you see in the movie. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And like, I don't even know why he's not in this movie. Like, I know it's explained to me why he's not in this movie. Like, and, and why? Why is Heidi Kling in the movie? Why is he not? And why is Heidi Kling? Well, I, I, there's a lot of weird. But the really that's the best thing. I always look it up. I looked it up a couple weeks ago. We were curious. Because I think it was we were had it was a funeral scene, and we were trying to figure out where was Billy Estevez before that scene. I'm like the only thing I can find was he was the executive producing the Jerky Boys movie. Oh, and that's the only thing on his IMDb on his IMDb and Wikipedia before this movie. Between hmm. I was I was wondering what the heck uh, Joss Ackland was up to. Denomalous. I you know they they didn't get him for the second movie. They clearly wanted him because they write in this brother character. But then he comes back for this. I'm like, well, he was still busy, but I I don't know. Well, the funny part of the second movie. I mean, I know I remember talking about this. Hans in the second movie went back to visit their mother in Russia, which is the dumbest excuse of not being in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he was up to, but he he went through that, but he came back for this and died. Came back. Yeah, it, and as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, they're killing him. This movie. Yeah. He's, oh yeah. He's not yeah. right away. Yep. <laughs> No reason. It's just like he passed away. Why? Well, did you look at him? <laughs> he was excessively coughing right before when Charlie walked away. He was coughing for no reason whatsoever. That was never. Yeah, he sliced off his finger. My yeah. goodness. You cough one time in a movie, you're a corpse. You're <laughs> they don't have you cough for any other reason. No. And that's just behind the scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Directors like can be real bastards. <laughs> Kill that stagehand now. And that's called, that's called filming now in 2021 without a mask on. 
Ay, ay, ay. So uh, we do finish off this finish off this minute in the most unrealistic five on three power play I've ever seen. <laughs> the realistic thing I've ever seen where the penalty happens to Portman this is that before he starts stripping <laughs> he already starts stripping he gets penalized for no real reason and then he strips should have got ejected from the box but he didn't <laughs> um, like I said the band by the way it does say but by the way on the subtitles it does say band playing Born to be Wild which is hysterical it's right there in, right there in the subtitles which I never caught until just now <laughs> really funny and then they, he has that and then we have a bench miner for nobody on the ice and then suddenly because we needed some kind of a plot to end this movie, we have a full two-minute five-on-three power play going into the last two minutes of the game. Like, really? This is what we're doing? <laughs> and and What's-Her-Face says, do the triple deke, which is what the Hawks did in the first movie, right? Oh, that's his. Actually, it's been Charlie's move since the beginning. Oh, it has? Okay. Right. He won the first game with it. That's why he won the first game with the Hawks with it. Okay. I, I mean, at least, okay, so I was, I was, misremembering which team did it but like at least there's some callback actually you know you're right you're also right because gordon used it as a hawk taught it to go taught it to charlie he used it as a duck on the hawks and so it all tied together in that movie it and this is totally nice. tangential i guess y- y- you feel it maybe, maybe it's not maybe this is the right place to talk about it okay. i and and this is sort of relates to um that kid who was a hawk and became a duck in the first movie and i thought right. he was right. more interesting and i actually felt the interest in from Bombay, the, the coaching interest from Bombay to him more than I did with, with he and Charlie. Um, even even in that ultimate moment of, of Charlie, you know, recreating, but then succeeding at what we saw, you know, uh, Bombay fail at as a, as a kid in the flashback. Um, but in the first movie, I just, I just didn't care about the Bombay-Charlie relationship. And in this movie, where Estevez has the least amount of screen time, I actually felt more significance to it and maybe it's sort of like nostalgia isn't really the word but i'll just for lack of a something else coming to me maybe it's nostalgia for something that isn't really there because even though i don't feel like it was properly developed in the first two movies um just having estevez show up and sort of look at him like yeah that's my that's my player you know it is more effective than telling a non-story with him i think nostalgia is the right word because like nostalgia tricks people thinking uh, into thinking that the good old days were the good old days and normally mm. they weren't really <laughs> so i actually yeah. like i like the word i did i do confess that uh during those moments when estevez when they reveal that estevez is in the in the audience watching i was imagining that he was thinking and i did it all without taping anybody's buns together <laughs> well, was, i just thought about this the whole charlie storyline is weird because the first movie he at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Bombay is trying to bang his mom. That's yeah. what's going on in the first movie. That's happening. That's the, that's the best part of the entire film when Charlie's trying to hook them up and he's like, you know, she's got some qualities about her that men are attracted to. And Estevez is like, yeah, that's not lost on me, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, their whole relationship is based on the fact that Bombay was trying to bang his mom in the first movie. Yeah, and then she disappears yeah. and there's a different woman in the second movie that that it never amounts to anything. No. And then she's just sort of present for this one as somebody else in the crowd that they can cut to. Oh, well, Charlie's mom is in this movie. Charlie's mom has been in this movie the whole movie. She came back in this movie. She, I still don't understand why she wasn't in the second movie. Because one would think you would want the parents at this international event that your kids are at. One right. would think that would be a thing you'd want to do. I'm only willing to excuse that because it was in California. The whole movie based in California, the games are in California, didn't want to fly everybody out there. I can understand that. But in this movie, she has to be here. She has to be here in this movie. So I can get that here. But there's no explanation on Charlie, on like Gordon and his mom's relationship. There's no, no. comment on it, except for like a throwaway in the second movie. There's no comment on it. <laughs> so. And what even, do you remember what the throwaway line was? Because I, I must have missed The it. only thing they said, and the funny point, I still don't understand the timeline between the first and second movie that I broke it down last year, and I still don't understand the timeline. But apparently, they somewhere between the end of the movie where he kissed her and when he was in the minors, they broke up and she got remarried. <laughs> That's it. That's the only thing they mentioned. And he's not yeah. even in the movie, but they threw it in there just to explain why they're not together. <laughs> so I don't understand it. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me either. No. So. There was a lot of unearned kisses at the end of this <laughs> hockey game, like three different kisses. I'm like, none of these subplots deserve this moment. 
Not Speaking one of them are Breakfast it. Club. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my dude. Oh, now we got to do another podcast. <laughs> she didn't need to change. Okay. <laughs> well, I, the only only kiss I accept, I would accept at the end of that movie is um freaking Charlie and Linda. That's the only one I accept because he had recording her the entire movie. So that at least right. makes sense to me. But the, well, the entire like, 30 seconds she was on the movie pre- prior, no, prior to this. It was in the background. Like, it was in the background of something that was going on. But yeah. like, ironically, the couple that's actually a couple on the team, Guy and Connie, who have been together since the first movie, don't kiss in the end of this movie. Yeah. That's ironic to me. I think that's funny. They were together. They're together, but they don't actually kiss in the end of the movie. So well, you had to have screen time for the kid from Miami uh, kissing the cheerleader after he had that moment crawling under the table and then looking into the camera lens, which is the second time that I, the first one from actually from, from uh, when Goldberg is going down the steps, when he's about to go down the steps, he looks right in the camera. That one might've been accidental. And, and, and they just used that take. Um, but he looks right in the camera and just like, eh, this is pretty nice. <laughs> like, you know what? I, I, most of the time I hate like when they break the fourth one, but that scene cracks me up for no reason whatsoever. Oh. I don't know why, but that's- Like, I, I wanted to rip the TV off the wall and throw it, <laughs> and throw it at you. Because, <laughs> you because you made me watch the movie. I couldn't believe it. My wife and I just looked at each other like, did that just happen? Did he just do that? That just happened on this movie. One fourth wall break and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really stupid. It's really dumb, but it's it's so stupid that I laughed because it was just, so stupid. So like, go, <laughs> go the whole way. It's a living. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's all that he gets. Yeah. Like this this kid gets like forty five seconds of content in the movie, and all of it is to establish that he's a horrible person. Like, that's it. Oddly horny and oddly horny. <laughs> yeah, which which is a step up from the the first movie or the second movie, the first one that he was in. Right. When they introduce him and they say he's the kid from Miami, and then he he skates around to like Cuban brass music. <laughs> he's got a lot to be proud of in this series. <laughs> he's in two Mighty Ducks movies. He hasn't told any of his current friends. He's like, God, I hope they never. <laughs> recognize me in these movies yeah i i i looked up um all right i didn't even look at i just happened upon uh some some like things you didn't know about the mighty ducks and that jake gyllenhaal was supposed to be in the charlie role and you know his his parents said like no we're not gonna let you you're gonna hate us right now but you're going to thank us later for not letting you do these movies and he's just like yeah i and i do (laughs) wow i uh I was directed by Jake Gyllenhaal's dad. So you said that. Yeah. And I like, I have a face for him. <laughs> Even Gyllenhaal was the director of a, a movie that I was a, a bit part in. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. That, that oddly ties this conversation together. <laughs> Odd <laughs> how that works out. Um, so what, that's where we end our minutes with this weird five on three. We'll get out of these five minutes. Um, next week, I actually have my wife coming on to finish up the show. And I, I promised her that she'd come on for the last episode. She'll be on for the final show next week to wrap up this movie. This really strange end of this movie. Any other thoughts on the movie before I get to our last question I have on my sheet here? Hmm? I know, Tom, you had like notes you tweeted me, which I cracked up at. Oh, <laughs> boy. I, I wrote down that the new coach looks like Aaron Eckhart and Thomas Jane mashed together. Um, I, I actually know the new coach. Um, I... Speaking of things I didn't have to watch all of, I've seen every episode of 24 oh. and he's in like most of season eight before he dies. Cause on 24, everybody dies almost. And uh, so I actually had a frame of reference for him. Um, my note about him would be uh, he was never unlikable. Not for yeah, one second. I was gonna he was the, the good thing. guy yeah. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, if he murders Charlie, this will be a better movie. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Like I've, I've actually been around high school sports before I was in high school, while I was in high school and afterwards. And I won't go into the tangents as to why, but I've been around it a lot. And this is high school coaching. He was doing a great job and I didn't need the, Oh, and he has a disabled daughter. So you're supposed to like him little. I didn't need that moment. Uh, I I was like, I'm on board. He's already the good guy in this situation. (laughs) I will say, I've said this throughout this, throughout the series is as an adult, I appreciate Coach Ryan more. Like I really yeah. appreciate him as an adult. Like watching this now, like wow, I 
underappreciated his character younger. I really don't appreciate it because he is a great character because he's actually doing his job. He's yeah. actually doing his job. <laughs> I think the only other thing that I would mention is that, and may, maybe I'm not going to, but maybe I would need to rewatch it. Um, I feel like it's one of those sports movies. Uh, like uh, the other one that leaps to mind is David O. Russell's The Fighter, where the storyline gets to a point where it's not so much about how the final game turns out, how the final match turns out. So like in The Fighter, it's all about their family. They work out all of their issues one way or the other, but then you still have this boxing match to get to. And it's like, well, it's a boxing movie. You want to see the boxing match, but you've told the story to the point where it feels like the story's over and we still have to sit through this unimportant boxing match. It doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. Vision it's not even Quest. symbolic. Hmm? Vi Vision Quest also. Have you seen Vision Quest? I the wrestling match at the end doesn't need to happen for the story to have been told. Yeah, they do and it I kinda, because it's a movie, but right. but the book I, doesn't I kinda, actually. I felt that way about this final game as well. I was like, well, all the all the issues are resolved. I don't, I don't even really care whether JV beats Varsity here. Yeah, it and it, it, I mean, it has been a big topic this season that there's no stakes. There's absolutely no stakes in the end of this movie. There's yeah. none in comparison to the last movie where there were Team USA and they actually had legit like stakes in the movie. This one just has no stakes by the time it's over and done. So, I, and the opposing coach had such sinister, slick black, slick black hair. So you know, yeah, evil. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, so I was in the notes when I sent everybody this season. We've had one question I've asked this entire season. So I'm curious how this is going to go. It is um, been asking everybody for their craziest and or funniest high school stories. It has been a fun time doing this. So I'm going to throw it to Tom first. But do you have anything for us? Sure. Um, mine is self-deprecating. I think I. I would like to think that we've all had pretty crazy high school experiences. My, mine were very non-traditional. Um, and so it's, it's hard to narrow down like what to go with. And I tried to pick one that I felt was, you know, semi-relevant to the, to the movie. So it might not be super crazy, but it's, it's one that I am just for, I will forever be embarrassed about it. Um, I, uh, I was on the, the wrestling squad in my sophomore year um, it was like, I, I played soccer for like 11 years of my schooling. And I, when I, when I got into soccer in elementary school, that was my skill level and I never improved. <laughs> so once I finally got into wrestling, I was like, damn, I should have been doing this all along. Cause I was actually pretty good at it. Um, I was in the 150 weight class and also in the 150 weight class was a girl who I had a crush on anyway. I, from classes that I had with her and, you know, extracurriculars and, and, and whatever else. Um, and then she ends up, you know, in my weight class on the wrestling squad. So I'm rolling around on a mat with her sweaty in, in you know, a, a singlet fairly often and just trying to keep my cool about it. And then uh, one day after practice, incidentally, after we've gone on a field trip to the Boston Aquarium, where we ended up just like pairing up and spending the whole day together. And it was like, oh, it was so cute, but not romantic because the, the, the story is basically about how oblivious I was to this sort of thing in, in like freshman, sophomore year. After a practice, there's a lounge in the gym right outside the um, wrestling room, whatever we called it. I actually, whatever. Um, and I, I'm, just, I'm just sitting there and she comes out uh, after me and just sits right in my lap. And with this free time, she just spends the entire time sitting in my lap and she looks right at me and she just complete non sequitur is like, you know, I feel like when you're not with somebody and you want to kiss them, you should just do it because if they don't want the kiss, you're gonna find out and then you can move on with your life. But if they do, then you're kissing them and that's great. And I just sort of looked at her, this girl I've had a crush on for a long time and she's sitting in my lap and I'm just like, uh-huh. And I didn't do anything. It's not even that I was nervous. I mean, I sure I was, but I was just completely oblivious to the concept that she would reciprocate that crush. Wow. And so nothing ever, come, ever came of it. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. Kelly, what do you got after that? <laughs> I once beat up a kid because he uh, didn't kiss a girl when he should have. Um, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> Retroactively. <laughs> um, okay. So I grew up in a town of like 4,000. It's, uh, 
it was small. It was very clicky. It, it doesn't seem like in a town of 4,000, you got, you should have clicks because like there's so few choices for friends already, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but that's the way it is. Um, and uh, there, I was a um, stoner skate rat kind of dude. Um, and there was a, a kid in my group, a guy named Aaron Neusmeyer, Um And he was, he was as an adult, like, uh, like four foot nine, like four foot 10, something like that. He was, he was a tiny dude and he weighed nothing like, like probably 75, 80 pounds. And so, you know, we, we'd goop around and toss him around because, uh, you could do that with Aaron. Um, Tom, this was the guy, this was my friend who died of cancer while we were doing PWT talks NXT. Was that guy. So he was to see him emaciated was like, how can he even like, he was so tiny already. Um, but he was, he was one of our guys. Uh, there was this teacher there. I just remembered his name. I am not going to use, but, um, but a teacher there at school, um, who taught like agribusiness or something like that. And it was his first year there. Um, my senior year, I was a senior. Aaron was a, a sophomore. Almost our whole group was seniors and sophomores. Like there were no juniors. It was really weird, but whatever. Uh, skipped a year. Um, and uh, this guy who was a teacher, he was like 23, 24. And he had been a jock kind of, but he was in like, he wanted to impress the high school jocks. Like that's what this teacher was about. It was, it was one of the sadder things I've ever seen. Um, he had this, uh, this truck, this souped up truck, like an F-150 and he would park it. He was one of these guys who would park it in four spots, um, like over the lines. Like there was not that many parking spots in my school. He would park it over the lines. This teacher, he was a tool and like the other teachers didn't like him and you knew, um, and to impress the, um, to impress the, uh, the other high school jocks one day, like during um, our time in between classes of walking to classes, he trips and shoves down my friend, Aaron, who's like 75 pounds, like literally anyone could do this to him. And this guy who's probably like six, three, two forty, just was like, it just does this to amuse the jocks who kind of dutifully laugh, but they're like, what a tool. Um, and so they, that was what this guy did. And, um, and after school, a bunch of kids destroyed his truck. Um, what a, what a crazy bunch of time. Like what a, what a wild coincidence that this guy who's been, tormenting this tiny kid uh found out that uh maybe the kid had a bunch of protectors um he never drove that truck again never spoke or looked in the eyes of anyone in our group although the next day when i saw him i stared hard at him as i walked by and he averted his eyes Wow. And I've never felt like such a badass in my life. <laughs> wow. And he did not return after that year. Now I'm not going to say that was like the only reason, but there was nobody on faculty who didn't know that this guy was a like a lifetime douchebag. Um so yeah. That's great. That's that's a that's a turn, an unexpected turn. Yeah. <laughs> I almost I almost forgot to establish the truck and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's wrap things up. First of all, um, if you're hearing this, we're almost done with the season, but you can still subscribe and rate and review. And I, I, I will put the reviews up on the Instagram page, the people putting them up. Trust me. I But while this whole show has been pre-recorded, I will still put up the reviews as they come up. So do that, please. Put them up on Instagram at D5 the Mighty Ducks. Let's go around for plugs. I, as a matter of fact, this is going to be fun because you guys do the exact same shows, but I know you both have other plugs as well. So I'll start with the guy with the, with the PW Church logo behind him. Tom, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 
I'll uh, I'll leave I'll leave a show for Kelly to plug. Um, but of course, both of us are from PWT Talks NXT on PW Torch. That is uh, every Wednesday night. And if you visit PW Torch, there's information on how you can call us after the episodes of NXT air and talk to us about what happened on the episode. Uh, it, it is available for free and then it's available after the fact if you are PW Torch VIP member uh, without ads. Uh, ads and plugs removed and since it's a movie podcast I'm going to make this the final time that I plug it Kelly's heard more than half of them uh, but I did just recently post my uh, my top 10 my annual list this is the you know, top 10 lists uh, top 10 lists see Kelly's heard me go through this plug so many times and I'm, I'm stumbling over it uh, again and again now um, but the, the top 10 films of 2020 in my opinion I posted that the information's on my Twitter at Tom Staup on Twitter uh, so check it out Kelly, go. Tom and I also do a show called NXT Eight Years Back, and um, that is what it is. We go back eight years and watch the NXT from that week, and uh, that drops every Saturday on the Torch as well. Uh, we that podcast is a tidier forty to fifty-five minutes most weeks, um, and we we talk about it, and it's easy to do because there's only two of us, and it is a. Um, a podcast about a show that only went like 40, 45 minutes at the time. So uh, it, it, that one's fun to do. Even when the show is not good that we've watched, uh, we end up having quite a bit of fun with it. And uh, at the end of those episodes, we do al always talk uh, a little bit of film. It is an excuse to talk film. Um, one of our regular emailers gives us film questions. If, uh, if he skips a week, we will, we'll just, figure out something ourselves. I am sure I have no doubt. Uh, but that is uh, kind of an excuse that we use. Uh, Tom focuses a lot more on directing because that's kind of the world he comes from. I, fo I focus a lot more on acting because I've done a lot of that and that's where I come from. Um, but we both know both parts of those crafts and, uh, and a lot of other things. And, um, and we're both hopeless snobs and we hate lots of things. So, uh, so I think that makes it a good listen. So, uh, <laughs> so that is your show. And, um, and yes, you can find me on uh, social media at spooky milk or spooky milk games. Yes. Uh, and also you can hear me on the Blake Town show every single Friday. And um, I, I always love to say that we have not missed a week during the pandemic, which not many podcasts can say. So I'm very proud to say that every single time I make this plug and you can hear that and this show every place, um, including iHeartRadio. I'll throw that one out there this week. Also, next week, you're going to hear the official announcement of my next project. I will announce that at the end of next week's show, which again, like I said, will have my wife, Mandy, on as my final guest for D5 the Money Ducks this season. So I, I promise her the final slot. So she'll be on next week to finish up the movie. Thank you, gentlemen, for this. I Thank you. I, I, I appreciate actually Tom watching all the movies. I did not expect you to do that. I didn't expect <laughs> you to do that. So <laughs> there have been many people that come on who are like, I've never seen the movie, so I'm just going to watch D3. I did not expect you to do the whole control trilogy. <laughs> I've seen the first two, and I wasn't going to pass that way again. Um, but, I, but I look forward to hearing about your next project, Debbie Does Dallas, five minutes at a time. No, that's definitely not something I'm doing. But I will. I, I mean, let me wrap up here. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you next week to wrap up D5, The Mighty Ducks, next week. So have a good day, everybody. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together.